How you guys doing today? Doing well? Awesome. Great to see you. My name's Brad. I'm the youth pastor around here, apparently, according to that video. I always have to make sure that I'm not wearing the same shirt if I'm ever standing up here for whatever reason. So Jared and Anne aren't with us today, uh, so I'll be delivering the message for you, and, uh, and I'm excited to be able to share with you some things that God has put on my heart, and, uh, and uh, hey, 4th of July just happened, didn't it? So uh, that was fun. I don't think, no matter how many years uh, that I live here in America, that I'll ever quite get used to the idea of going to a tent and buying explosives. Uh, <laughs> there's something so cool about it. We weren't allowed to have that in Australia. They, they give us a sparkler. That's all we can have to celebrate what we want to celebrate, which is, I don't know, I think, I think the dangerous animals aspect should give us a few more like pyrotechnics that we should be able to use to our advantage over there, but there's a lot of things that are illegal that, uh, that, are, that are, you know, free to do here. It's good. It's independence. We get to be independent here. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. It's a national treasure to go to a tent and get explosives. It's great. Come on. Come on. I love it. America. <laughs> Another national treasure, I think you know what I'm about to say here, for America is uh, Craigslist. Yeah. National treasure right there. We have something similar in Australia. It's called uh, Gumtree. Uh, it, it didn't really take off very well. I mean, I don't think so, at least. I haven't been there for nine years now. But, um, but Gumtree is over there. It's okay. But Craigslist is, is a winner over there. I've used it for a long time. I've used it for years and years. I used it to sell a bunch of things. Great way to make a few bucks on the side. It's great. And, by the way, it's a, it's a full-on ministry. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but... I've prayed for more people that I've met randomly on Craigslist than I ever thought I ever would. Like, it, it's odd. Yesterday, yesterday I prayed for a guy who was a Vietnam War vet, and he was experiencing some health issues as a result of being exposed to Agent Orange. And so I just asked him how I could pray for him, and he said, oh, you can pray for healing. And so I said, let's do it. So in the parking lot of some random place in Tigard, we prayed, and then I sold him a car. I think it was a <laughs> great deal. Yeah. <laughs> it's the strangest thing. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> strangest thing. But then you have uh, an issue with Craigslist, uh, and, and that's this Craigslist ghosts. Okay, and that's when uh, you do everything you can to communicate. You get the photos set up, you get the listing done, you do a description, you call, you talk back and forth, and everything's good. Then you go to meet them somewhere, and they just never show up. They just ghost you. And ghost is actually a verb. Here's the description of it. A ghost. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a doing word. Uh, to abruptly cut off all contact with a person by no longer responding to phone calls, text messages, social media, communication. The youth, they teach me things, and this is one of them. If you're being ghosted, it means that someone's not getting back to you. They just cut you right off. And I've experienced this in Craigslist often, just often, all the time, actually. But um, today, I want to speak to you about getting ghosted uh, because it's the worst. It's the worst experience to have when you really need something and, and you, you're, you're trying to get in touch with somebody and they're just not getting back to you. And so the question I have for you today is, <laughs> and bear with me on this one, <clears throat> have you ever been wholly ghosted? 
As in, have you ever asked God over and over and over and over again for something that you really do need? Maybe it's, uh, it's, some, it's a material thing that you're really in need of, and this is okay. Maybe it's some fresh insight. Maybe it's some inspiration. Maybe it's some encouragement. Maybe you're praying for somebody interceding on their behalf. You're praying for something. You're asking over and over again, and then you get silence. You get holy ghosted, nothing back. You feel like God isn't listening to you. You hear nothing. So today, I want to talk to you about how it is that we can hear from God better. And and as I was reading through the responses that you here at Evergreen gave uh, to our little survey when it came to this series that we're in, uh, this question came up several times. How is it I can hear from God more? And, and not surprisingly, I've heard this question multiple times, especially as a youth pastor from our students. How is it, uh, Pastor Brad, that I can hear from God? And usually, it comes from a place of asking the following one or all of these questions. Brad, why is it that God is so silent? Why is God so distant And why is God apparently so late? So I'm going to do a little little test. I'm going to be brave today. Is there anybody today who has ever felt that God has been silent, distant, or late? Would you raise your hands for me? Okay, this is good. Everyone look around. This is okay. Because I think we've learned something here today. You can put your hands down. That's this. You thought you were the only one. And you're not. You're not the only one. When we think that, that God is being silent, distant, or late in our life, we think, man, there must be something wrong with me. I must not be hearing from God for some reason, and preachers are the worst. We tell you, well, you just got to read your Bible more. You just got to pray more. You just got to sin less. <laughs> Get your journal out. Start journaling. Okay, and we tell you all these things to go and do, and you can go ahead and do that, and you can do them all, you know, over and over again. And let me just say, these are good and healthy things for your faith, and don't neglect doing these things. But you do these things, and you do them over and over again, and you still have the same problem. The same issue is still there. It never gets resolved, and God seems to stay silent, distant, and late. So we start thinking there's something wrong with us. Surely no one else has this same problem. Surely no one at church struggles with this. Surely preachers don't struggle with this. Not church people. And on top of that, everybody knows that lady. And I'm not sexist, but it's usually a lady because I've never heard a guy do this before. (laughs) It's the parking lot prayer warrior. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And you hear the stories when you're in small group. And she comes in and she said, God answered my prayer this week. You get excited. You say, well, what happened? She says, well, I went to Costco the day before Thanksgiving. And it was a nightmare. There were cars everywhere. It was a parking jam. And I drove right in. I said, Heavenly Father, provide me a parking space. Would thy will be done today? And sure enough, Sure enough, a parking space opens right up next to the disabled one, and I just went straight in, and that was my parking space, and the Lord answered my prayer, and thou art mighty. We've all heard this. And you just think to yourself, shut up. 
Like I'm praying. <laughs> I'm praying for some big things here. There are some important things in my life that I've been asking God for over and over again. I've been asking God because my parents are not saved yet. I've been asking God to help me with my wayward children. They're going off doing their own thing, and I don't know what to do. I'm asking God for help with my mortgage this month. My bills are stacking up, and I don't know how to pay them. I'm asking God for health in my body. I'm asking God for help in my marriage. And, and, and you get your prayer answered, the parking space prayer. We get holy ghosted. <laughs> and we tend to make the mistake that if God is silent, it means that he's uninterested. And that God, if he's distant, that he's unavailable. And that if God is late, well, he's just being uncooperative. And the reality is, we all experience seasons where we've felt this way about God, that he's silent, distant, or late. Even preachers, even church people, even the parking lot prayer warrior, they experience it as well. It doesn't mean, though, doesn't mean that God is absent. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't care about what you're going through. In fact, when God is silent, distant, or late, it might mean, it might mean that you may already be exactly where you need to be. It's my hope today that you'll be filled with the confidence that you no longer have to choose to associate the difficulties in life with the character of God or how he feels about you. So the thing that always helps me when I'm feeling Holy Ghosted is to know that uh, I'm not the only one. It's like when you have an issue with your, your car and uh, you hear a, a, a thumping noise. And so what do you do? You Google it, and you put in thumping noise in my Toyota, right? And sure enough, there comes a bunch of listings, and there's a video, and you click on the video, and there's a mechanic who is talking just about the same thumping noise that's in your car, that's in his car. And not only that, but he fixes the solution really cheaply and really easily. Isn't that excellent? Well, I'm not going to give you a cheap and easy solution here today, but we are going to look at the life of somebody who is a real person, who Jesus knew, and who Jesus cared about, and in fact, who Jesus called the greatest man to ever live, yet this man experienced the same problems, the same frustrations that you and I have today, with Jesus being uh, distant, uh, with him being late, and with him being silent. So, we're going to see what his solution was, or how it was that Jesus eventually spoke to him. So let's jump in. Jesus' opinion, which is generally a pretty good opinion to hear. The greatest man to ever lived was a man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist, uh, we hear about in a prophecy 700 years before he was even born. An angel, Gabriel, visited his mom and his dad and foretold the importance of John's destiny in the world. John was the cousin of Jesus. That's a big deal. He was a blood relative. John's mission was be the forerunner for the Messiah, prepare the way for Jesus to come. He fore 
went many comforts and luxuries. He lived in the wilderness. Many of us know this. He preached and he, he told people to repent and he baptized people, hence the name John the Baptist. And I always thought, as I was growing up, that John the Baptist was a bit of a strange loner, right? Because, I mean, the Bible points out a few of the strange things that he used to do. He used to eat bugs, right, and wear fur and just scream at people in the wilderness. And I thought he was just a crazy guy. And so, um, but I've come to find that the people's opinion at, in that time, during that time, was actually quite different to this. It was quite the contrary. Uh, I, I was reading uh, some of the writings from uh, a Jewish historian named Josephus, Lydia mentioned last week during her message, and he mentions John the Baptist and what his ministry was like. And he said that uh, John the Fat, uh, Baptist was, in, in fact, uh, highly respected as a public figure. He had a large, a large crowd of followers that would come and, and hear him, uh, so many, in fact, that the ruler of Galilee, uh, who was Herod, we've heard him spoken of in the Bible as King Herod uh, at times, but he wasn't actually king. He was more of a sub-king, a tetriarch, or a ruler of that part of the land. He, Herod, uh, Antipas, was afraid that John the Baptist would create such a big following that an uprising would happen and a hostile takeover. And Josephus writes this, many people came in crowds to hear him, John the Baptist, for they were greatly moved by his words. Herod, Antipas, the Tetrarch, who feared uh, that the great influence John had over the masses might put them into his power and enable him to raise a rebellion. And this is what really changed my mind about John the Baptist. It says this, for they seemed ready to do anything should he advise. He was highly respected. Highly respected. By the way, this Herod was the same Herod that Jesus appeared in front of before his crucifixion. John the Baptist was the first to announce Jesus as the Messiah. He baptized Jesus. And as far as we know, John the Baptist did everything that God asked him to do. So after Jesus was announced as the Messiah, John the Baptist continued to preach and he continued to baptize people. His message was relatively simple. Repent of your sins and be baptized. If people showed up and they you know, forgot about their sins, when John was really happy to share what their sins were in front of everybody and then told them to repent of those things. And In fact, he came so happy about sharing people's sins that he, he started pointing out some really influential people, including Herod, the ruler of the land, especially his new wife. Her name was Herodias. And now Herodias used to be married to Herod's brother. But Herod and Herodias took a liking to each other, and they ran off together and got married while Herod's brother was still alive. Now, that's frowned upon in today's culture, correct? But back then, this was like a sin against God. Like, if, if the brother's not dead, you don't touch his wife. You don't marry his wife. There's no way. So this was against Jewish law and custom, and so John the Baptist was calling out uh, Herod and Herodias for their sin in front of everybody. Herodias didn't like this very much, the new wife. And so she called to have him killed, uh, and Herod, well, fearing this uprising, and had some level of respect for John the Baptist as well, by the way, uh, decides not to kill the, John the Baptist, but instead imprison him. And so, John the Baptist, the loved, the respected, the one who Jesus loved and respected, the cousin of Jesus, the one the angel came to predict 
about how great he would be and important he was, the insider was now imprisoned. Jesus, on the other hand, continued on his mission. And so I thought it would be important for, who's a map person? Who enjoys maps? Here's a map of the ancient, you know, Judea and surroundings. Now, uh, John, the, and I got a laser pointer because I always wanted to use a laser pointer in church, and I've never done it. So uh, John the Baptist, he was imprisoned around here. We got, there we go. There's the red dot. And then I thought it would be good to, you know, represent Jesus. There's a purple dot. And so there's, he's in just general area. It doesn't say exactly where he was in Judea. Now, uh, it would have been probably relatively simple for Jesus to go and visit John the Baptist, correct, and see how he's doing, get him some clothes, give him some food, give him some encouragement, hey, hang in there, things are going to get better. But instead, Jesus travels up to Galilee. Oh, I don't even need a laser pointer, we've got arrows. Okay, good, perfect. And uh, I'm going to use it anyway. And so Jesus is up here in Galilee, he, uh, he bounces around to Nazareth and then goes up to Capernaum and then around the Sea of Galilee, yes, there it is. And, uh, and all the while, Jesus is preaching, he's teaching, he's uh, conducting miracles in front of people, he's casting out demons, he's raising people from the dead. Around the Sea of Galilee, he's choosing who his disciples are going to be. Things are going pretty well for Jesus. Jesus is gaining this, uh, this kind of reputation. People are starting to follow him. There's like crowds around him. He's doing incredible things. He's sharing the love of God to everybody who will accept it, and all the while, John the Baptist, well, there he is. He's just waiting there, just hanging out. If John the Baptist was here with us today, sitting in a seat, and I asked that question, hey, have you ever felt that Jesus is silent, distant, or late? I think we would know what his answer would be. In fact, John's incarceration and lack of Jesus' presence became so bad that even John the Baptist started to doubt Jesus was the Messiah at all. So we ended the story. In Matthew 11, verse 2, it says this, John the Baptist, who was in prison, heard all about the things the Messiah was doing. By the way, who was he doing them for? Not John the Baptist is the answer to that. So he sent, John the Baptist sent his disciples to go and ask Jesus a question. Now, this next question that John asked was on face value, it seems like a perfectly innocent question, but you and I, we, we now know more about the story. We, we not only know the difficult circumstances that John the Baptist was in, but we also know that Jesus was apparently carrying on business as usual and Ignoring John the Baptist altogether. Knowing this, John's next question seems more like a loaded statement. Read it with me. So John says, go ask Jesus this. Are you the Messiah that we've been expecting? Or should we keep on looking? Are you the one or are we waiting for someone else? It'd be like if you promise somebody a great gift for their birthday. Their birthday finally comes up. You give them the gift. They excitedly unwrap and they're like, oh, great. Now, um, is this the big gift you were talking about or is there something else coming in the mail? It's awful, right? It's a backhanded question. 
But I think we can all understand where John is coming from because we've all been there. When the expectation of what we have for God turns out to be different to what God's plan actually is, when we start doubting the character of God. Life gets uncomfortable when God feels silent, distant, or late. And our response is that we start losing hope and that perhaps we start questioning the existence of God altogether. And so, unfortunately, we see this happening in John's life. He was in prison for perhaps two years before he reduced the Messiah down to the size of his problem, his jail cell, right? John gets so frustrated at the silent treatment that he assumes that because Jesus wasn't doing what John wanted him to do, that he must not be doing anything at all. And this is so fascinating to me because this is what, this is what we do on some level. And, you know, for me personally, I, I remember a time when I, when I, the most recent time that I feel like I doubted God the most, and it's an awful thought to even go back to, but, but it was a real life circumstance for me when, when we, we planted a church. Some of you know my story. We planted a church seven years ago. We helped, we, we weren't the head pastors, but we helped with that team, and, and we knew God was doing great things, and we felt called by God, and we felt it was the right place to be, and so we stepped in boldly knowing that God would take care of us and would take care of the church. And then I would never say a church plant fails because I believe it achieves some incredible things no matter what it does, but we did not gain the momentum that we wanted to. And soon enough, Audrey and I, let me say pregnant Audrey and I, found ourselves out of gainful employment. And sure enough, the car breaks down. And nothing on YouTube is showing an easy or cheap fix, <laughs> okay? And sure enough, we have to move house, find somewhere to live without employment, without any help. And we were suddenly stranded and on our own. God was not doing what I wanted him to do. What I wanted him to do was to make that church plant a wild success, multiply into the thousands, and continue working there and maybe even plant another church out of that. That would have been wonderful, right? That was my plan. It was a good plan. What is God doing? God, what is happening? I don't understand. And I think at some point, and I don't know what point that was, I started thinking, well, why am I even in America at all? Why don't I just catch a plane home? do what I used to do. That's clearly what God wants now. He's done with me. On some level, when we can't control our circumstances, we think that maybe God has tried and he's failed too and he just doesn't have the heart to tell us. But let me challenge you with something. Sometimes, the only way that God can show you that he's in control is by you being out of control for a little while. And that's where I found myself. And that's where John found himself in an uncontrollable situation. John is doubting. He's asking Jesus to explain himself. And hey, that's exactly what Jesus does. Listen to his response. Jesus told him, his disciples, go back and go and tell John what you have heard and seen. The blind see the lame walk, those with leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. 
Do you notice what Jesus didn't say in his response? He didn't say, hey, listen, go back to John and tell him this. Yes, I am the Messiah, and I'm going to break him out of there. Him and I, we're going on a ministry rampage. We're going to baptize people. We're going to make people repent. It's going to be glorious. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, go back and tell John that uh, if he has more faith, if he prays harder, if he journals more, if he sins less, I'll do whatever he asks. No, instead, Jesus says, you have doubts. That's understandable. But look at what I've done. And then you decide. And then Jesus ends with this profound statement. He says, before you guys leave, but by the way, go tell John this. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is anyone who doesn't stumble on account of me. He didn't say, blessed is John the Baptist if, if he doesn't stumble on account of me. But instead, he says, blessed is anyone, and that includes us today, Evergreen. That's you and I. Does that mean God will put us in circumstances or allow circumstances to happen that might cause us to stumble in our faith in God? Maybe. He said, if you get through it, if you keep your faith, if you don't stumble, you'll be blessed. And so with that statement... John gets the answer that he needed. And for those of us here who feel today that we're being wholly ghosted, I believe we get the answer that we need as well. The way I hear Jesus' response is like this. We need to change our tone, like mama always used to say. If you're not hearing from me, you need to change your tone. The tone of your heart to say, instead of this, God, what are you doing? To sound something more like this, God, what are you doing? What are you up to? See, God wants to give us the desires of our heart, but it means that we have to shift what our heart wants in order to align with what God is doing, whether we like it or not, whether it's our preference or not, whether it's difficult, whether it's easy. So, how do we do this? Let's look at what John did. And this is not a formula to hear God's voice, because I don't think there is such a thing. But perhaps, perhaps you'll identify a healthy next step in your faith with the following list. First one's this. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest with your doubts. Be honest with your confusion. Be honest with your needs. John was honest. He told God what was going on. He told God... Hey, God, it's not fair that you're answering the prayer of the parking lot warrior and not me. You're, you're caring for other people, and you're not caring for me. Do you care? Are you there? What is happening? What are you doing? What are you up to? Be honest. It's a good place to start. Number two, remember what God has already said and what he's done. Look through the Bible. Look through history. Look at your own story. This is why summer camp and camps and retreats and prayer breaks are so important because it provides a place to go back to any time we're in a circumstance that's difficult and we start doubting. Because we can come back to that experience that we had with God when we knew that we knew that we knew he was real. Because we experienced him. And so 
doubt has no place to be. Number uh, three, see what God is doing right now. See, God is faithfully moving all around us. And maybe you can't see that. So maybe it's time to update your passport and go to Mexico build a house. Right, Kevin? <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's time to go to Guatemala and bring some supplies with you and see what God is doing there. Maybe it's time to mix things up a little bit. Number four, ask God to speak. John the Baptist asked God to speak. As we look back in the Old Testament, we see that Samuel prayed, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. Maybe that's a prayer that you can respond to God today. Number five, listen to what God is saying through other people. I think this is one of the most valuable resources we have, church, because we hear the voice of God through others. That's why it's so valuable. Jesus sent the message to John the Baptist, not in person, but through other people. That's interesting to note. Number six, listen to his spirit within you. What are your thoughts saying? What are your feelings telling you? What are the prophecies that are in your life, the dreams, the vision, the mental pictures that you've experienced? What is Scripture saying? And as you do, before you act on anything, confirm the things that uh, the experiences that you've had, your subjective personal experiences, it's important to confirm these things externally before we take any action. And and I encourage you to ask these three things. And, And these are three of the things that my grandfather always used to share with us about how it is we could walk with God better. He would, he would always say, well, before you act, does it align with the word of the Lord? Because if it's different to what the Bible says, then it's probably not from God. Actually, it's probably not. No, it's not. Because why? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if it's different from the Bible, that's not God. It's got to align with the Bible. Number two, he says, is it the wisdom of the Lord. Does it align with the wisdom of the Lord? Does this seem like God's character to you? The wisdom of the Lord is different to the wisdom of the world, very different. So does it align with the wisdom of the Lord? Does it align with the wisdom of the good counsel that you've placed in your life? Number three, do you feel the peace of the Lord? Am I or are my trusted friends and advisors feeling peace about what we feel that God has just said. And if this is all true, if this is all true, I think you have your next steps. So what are you waiting for, amen? Yeah. Hey, I want to finish off today by reading to you from the book of uh, Philippians. And so, uh, and then I'm going to make this my prayer for you today, for us, because I'm included in this absolutely as well. And it says this, Philippians 4 verse 4. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. So don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you need, all you've learned and received from me, everything you've heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace 
will be with you. And so, Lord, that is our prayer today. We ask that you would be honored by our lives. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us because of our steadfast faith in you. I ask, Lord, for those of us here who are experiencing silence or distance or you being late in our lives now, would you reaffirm to us that you are in control, that you are the master, and that, Lord, life with you and, and, and the things you have planned is so much better than our own plan. Lord, would you help us to remember the times that we knew, that we knew, that we knew that you were God. Help us stand on the faith that we had then as if it is fresh and current today. Lord, help us to step outside our comfort zones and do things uh, that we wouldn't usually do, but we feel that you have told us to do them. Lord, would you help us to be bold and courageous? Would you help us to take action today, Lord? Lord, would you speak to us? Your servants are listening. We pray this in your mighty and all-knowing and all-powerful name. Amen.